My name is Dan, and I'm so happy you decided to spend a few moments of your day here with me. In today's episode, we will be discussing a very vile and creepy place nestled deep in the rural areas of West Virginia. Feast your eyes on the padded walls, the paint-chipped hallways, where you hear the faint weeps of agony and pain. Grab your straight jackets, ladies and gentlemen, because today we are talking about the infamous Weston State Hospital, or better known as the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. To start today's episode off, I'm going to be giving a brief history of the hospital, and then we'll be getting into some famous stories. Constructed between 1858 and 1881... It is the largest hand-cut stone masonry building in North America. The architect that built the Trans-Allegheny is a man named Richard Andrews, and he followed the famous Kirkbride plan, which is sort of an arrangement of long, rambling wings arranged in a staggered formation. The reason for this type of design is to assure that each of the connecting wings received an abundance of therapeutic sunlight and fresh air. This building technique was the brainchild of one Thomas Story Kirkbride, a doctor and crusader for the mentally ill who founded what would later become the American Psychiatric Association. He said that the building design in itself promoted a curative effect, or, in his words, a special apparatus for lunacy. When the doors first opened to patients in 1864, the hospital was originally designed to house 250 individuals, each with their own comfortable living quarters. The facility was designed to be fully sustainable, including a working farm, waterworks, a gas well, and a cemetery. It truly was, at the time, a state-of-the-art facility. It was meant to make patients feel at home and well cared for. Gone were the days where people thought mental illness was an irreversible condition best treated with darkness and physical restraint. Instead, Dr. Kirkbride felt that his patients should be able to roam as much as possible and to be able to find stimulation for their minds. He thought that this would help with their treatment. Here's another spicy little tidbit for you. If you're into symbolic numbers and things like that, Um, The plot of land that this entire facility was built on ended up being 666 acres exactly. How fun is that? (laughs) The Trans-Allegheny ran quite smoothly for the first few years, and then in 1881, disaster struck due to the increase in mental health diagnosis. The Trans-Allegheny found its facilities overrun, housing almost 500 more patients than originally imagined. 
So the, the facility was originally imagined to house 250 people, each in their own room, comfortable, doors open, being able to roam freely, lots of great sunlight, all nice and tranquil, right? And in 1881, they were housing around 750 patients in a facility designed to house 250. Now, as you can imagine, with such a surplus of insanity, let's say, (laughs) um, the hospital couldn't keep up. Uh, The conditions uh, began to decline. Uh, The patients were crammed together in rooms, sometimes even four or five in a room intended for one person. Now, let's use a regular prison for an example. The Trans-Allegheny wasn't a prison, but I'm just using a regular prison as an example. Putting four to five prisoners, air quotes, prisoners, in a room together when they are mentally stable is a bad idea. Now, if you add mental illness into that equation, who knows what's going to happen? The farm on the compound, originally designed to provide for 300 individuals, was unable to meet the increased demand with the overcrowding and patients began to suffer from malnutrition, and that only made the patient's mental health even worse. The history only gets more grim from here. By 1938, the Trans-Allegheny was six times over capacity. The patients inside the facility were just running wild. The nurses and the orderlies had no control anymore. They were outnumbered, and they couldn't do anything. And at the hospital's peak in the 1950s, it was holding more than 2,600 patients. More than 10 times the original number intended. In an attempt to expose the terrible conditions within the facility, a newspaper called the Charleston Gazette attempted to send a crew to investigate the inner workings of the asylum. When they arrived, they found patients sleeping on the floor in freezing rooms because the facility had no heat. It had a lack of furniture because there were so many patients. The once bright and vibrant hallways were now dark and gross because the staff had sort of decreased their emphasis on sanitation because... They didn't have time to anymore, so the once clear windows that let in all this nice bright light and fresh air were now covered in, like, sort of a grime, and it darkened the rooms and made the rooms actually colder because you couldn't get any heat from the sun coming in. The wallpaper was starting to peel, and it was decaying and disintegrating, and the patients were ripping it off the walls... The patients were becoming extremely erratic, too. The orderlies have deemed them, in air quotes, unable to be controlled. So, apparently the most sane thing that these orderlies could think of was to lock the patients in cages in open spaces, like hallways and stuff like that. And the reason they did that is so that the more violent patients could be kept in these cages away from the less violent patients and more bedroom space could be made available. Personally, I don't know why the orderlies didn't just transfer these patients. Honestly, like, why further and, quite frankly, increase the suffering of these people? 
And then we are introduced to a man named Walter Freeman. He was an American biologist, theoretical neuroscientist, and philosopher. And he decided to open up shop inside the Trans-Allegheny. What did he sell? He sold experimental lobotomies. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, he was performing the prefrontal lobotomy. And for anyone that's not up to speed on what a prefrontal lobotomy entails, Dr. Freeman would take an ice pick, place it in the inner corner of the patient's eye, and with the slight tap of a hammer, the ice pick would be forced through the bone, severing the connective tissue in the brain's prefrontal cortex. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he would do one eye, and then he would do the other. The perverted reason or purpose for a lobotomy such as this is to make the patient more docile. Dr. Freeman believed that it would be a radical therapeutic measure intended to fix schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. But in a lot of cases, it made the patient's disorder worse. Or, I think I heard in one or two cases, it changed the patient's personality completely. A patient that was once not violent had now become violent. Or in many instances, especially with Dr. Freeman's practice, this procedure resulted in a number of deaths. In the course of his career, he performed over 4,000 of these lobotomies, leaving otherwise healthy patients with serious physical and cognitive damage. So that's what the newspaper crew saw when they visited this hospital. The suffering and the terrible conditions continued until the hospital finally closed its doors in 1994. Over a hundred years of squalor and cramped conditions. And now, once a beautifully hand-cut ornate building intended for the healing of the sick and a haven for these patients to find peace sits abandoned, empty, as if the patients vanished into thin air. The rooms still filled with medical equipment, decrepit furniture, wheelchairs line the cracked, decaying hallways. Nothing to hear but the creaking pipes and the rats in the walls. This type of specific history is not unique to the Trans-Allegheny. Even just in the United States, there has been numerous facilities with the same sort of horrific histories, such as the Pennsylvania State Hospital, which ran from 1907 to 1987, the Danvers State Hospital in Danvers, Massachusetts. Now, that ran from 1887 to 1992, so about the same time frame as the Trans-Allegheny. There's the Bloomingdale Insane Asylum in Morningside Heights, New York, uh, and that operated from 1821 to 1880. There were documented accounts of absolutely inhumane practices, because this was back before modern-ish technology started to come into the hospitals. 
patients in this specific place were kicked and choked until they bled and in some cases even driven to suicide by just the systematic cruelties. And probably one of the most widely well-known uh, mental facilities to be open in the last hundred years is the Penhurst Insane Asylum, which operated from 1908 to 1987, and that was located in Spring City, Pennsylvania. I'm actually going to be doing a dedicated episode to the Penhurst Insane Asylum, so stay tuned for that. It has a wild history. It was actually, it's a school as well. Anyway, before we get too off track, I want to dive deeper into the Trans-Allegheny and discuss some rather odd things about it. For example, did you know that there is an actual list of 86 different conditions that you could be admitted for? Now, a hospital in 1864 is a little bit different than a hospital of today. I'm not going to go through every single one of these, but I'll give you a few of the more strange reasons for admission. We have kicked in the head by a horse. <laughs> Imaginary female trouble. Hysteria. Immoral life. Jealousy and religion. <laughs> Laziness. That might get me admitted. <laughs> Masturbation and syphilis. Masturbation for 30 or more years. Now, this one is a lot bigger than you might think. Um, back in the day, you could be admitted for any number of sex-related issues. Particular um, was sex with one's self. In the 19th century, uh, masturbation in all of its forms was thought to be a major cause of insanity. You could also be admitted uh, if you had taken medicine to prevent conception. This one's really, really good. <laughs> you could be admitted to the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum if your parents were cousins. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, there's also, this one's a fun tandem, tobacco and masturbation. Don't know how those are connected, but... Sure, it's 1864. We also have fever and jealousy, exposure in the army, the war, which I don't know what that means. A reason for admission is just the war, okay? Vicious vices, women trouble, okay? Uh, if you had any sort of superstition, smallpox... Uh, if you had any spinal irritation, gathering in the head, greediness. Now, that's a good one. You'd be admitted to a mental hospital for greediness. Uh, any sort of grief that you want to get over. If you had a gunshot wound, you would be taken to a mental hospital. Um, as you can see, these reasons are ridiculous. Some of them are legitimate, for sure. Um, but... What is female disease? I... <laughs> I couldn't tell you what that was. It almost feels like in this time period, in the, in the late 1800s to early 1900s, 
people were finding any excuse they could to get rid of their loved ones and just lock them away in a facility and, you know, just, you know, clean their hands of them. Because I, I can't think of any other reason why someone would be admitted to a hospital for religious enthusiasm or greediness. Since 2007, uh, tours have been available at the asylum. Uh, the most frequent visitors are ghost hunters. Many of them on numerous accounts have said they can feel a presence of hundreds of who have perished in shocking conditions. Ever since I was a kid, I've been really, really afraid of anything that had to do with hospitals. Old, new, doesn't matter. I, I do not like hospitals, but yet I enjoy researching the history of these places. And yeah, I would really enjoy spending the night in the Trans-Allegheny. Because you, you can actually do that. You can pay uh, $100 a person to stay overnight inside and do ghost hunting or whatever you want to do. Just You can even just walk around and search the ground, see what's there at night. I think it would be a really fun experience to see firsthand what this place would feel like at night. Because I feel like the energy changes during the day and during the night, right? It's the same as, you know, watching a scary movie, right? If you were to watch a movie at high noon and super bright outside, it doesn't seem as scary, right? But if it's, you know, midnight, home alone, completely dark house, throw on a horror movie, the energy is different. I think my love-hate relationship with not only mental hospitals, but just hospitals in general was... You know, seeing the Batman movies when I was a kid and, you know, seeing Arkham Asylum and, um, weirdly enough, actually seeing the music video for Avenged Sevenfold's Nightmare. That takes place inside of a mental asylum and seeing that as, oh, wow, oh, geez, I was probably 11, probably even younger than that. When did that album come out? Yeah, 2010 that album was released, so I was 12 years old. And that video really highlighted the sort of gruesome nature of old mental institutions. Nevertheless, I would still like to, say, face my fears and spend the night in the Trans-Allegheny, because I think that would be a really rewarding experience. And that's actually a great segue into the next portion I want to talk about is some famous ghost stories that have come out of the Trans-Allegheny. The first one is the famous bedpost murder room. Now, this room is located in Ward F, I believe, on the third floor of the main building. And this room used to house two incredibly violent patients and one mentally impaired patient who was honestly known to be one of the sweetest people at the facility, but every once in a while he would have an outburst. And unfortunately, he found himself in this room with these other two violent people. And one day what happened was these two individuals made a makeshift noose out of a bedsheet and uh, tied it around the third guy's neck and strung it over a sprinkler pipe on the roof of the room. And they lifted him up by the sheet uh, until he would lose consciousness. Then they would bring him back down kick him awake, and then once he regained consciousness, they would lift him up again and repeat the process. They did it a few times until 
on the last time that he was unconscious, they brought him back down and they put his, they put the side of his head underneath one of the bedposts and these two maniacs took turns jumping on the bed until the bedpost went straight through his brain. And the man was left there until the orderlies found him sometime later. Watching some accounts of ghost hunters that have spent the night in the Trans-Allegheny, they've said that this man that was murdered inside this bedpost murder room, he's one of the more prominent spirits that live within the facility today. The person that saved the Trans-Allegheny from being demolished was a woman named Rebecca, and she's an incredible history buff, and she's going through the history of the patient records and the death records in the hospital and I was watching one ghost hunter account and they said that they had been picking up uh, a certain name through like EVP sessions and stuff like that a woman named Jane and she found in the patient records there was actually a patient named uh, Jane Harvey who had killed herself inside the hospital so I don't know if you, you know, believe in all this ghost stuff, but I think that's that's pretty cool that these these ghost hunters were picking up on these transmitters. The name Jane was coming through them, and then um, this woman Re- Rebecca she finds this patient record of a woman named Jane that actually killed herself inside, and is probably now a spirit that lives within the walls. Now, probably arguably the most famous spirit uh, within the Trans-Allegheny is a little girl named Lily. She is thought to be the spirit of a nine-year-old girl that died within the asylum, and she's known to be very nice to the to the visitors, and people leave toys for her. They, they, they bring toys to their tours, and they set them in this one specific room for her so that she can play with them and, you know, have something to, you know, keep occupied. So there are two different origin stories of Lily. The first one says that she was a former patient that was admitted to the Trans-Allegheny and then she ended up dying uh, after a short time. And the other story, which is the more famous story, was she was born to a female patient inside the hospital and then was kept safe by the hospital staff. So almost sort of adopted by the hospital staff, not literally, but she was being cared for by the orderlies. And unfortunately, she ended up dying of pneumonia at nine years old. The stories are still disputed, but people say that there's no denying that she's around today. She's been seen moving toys in the room that people leave them for her. And a lot of people really want to communicate with her because there's been accounts of her being you know, quite friendly to the people that visit. You know, whether ghosts are real or not, I still think that it's really cool that people pay homage to these souls that were lost inside the Trans-Allegheny. Because yes, there were a lot of patients that needed to be there, but a lot of them didn't deserve to be kept in a place like that. But, you know, unfortunately, back in those times, a lot of people believed that there was no cure for the human condition. And... If you were crazy, you were crazy, and that's just that's just who you were, and you had to be 
kept away from society and you lived out your days inside of these concrete walls and that was it. But I'm so thankful that places like the Trans-Allegheny and the Penhurst, they stand as a reminder that these places had a very shameful past and we have to make sure to do better in the future. Science and medicine have come a long way in the last hundred years and hopefully gone are the days of the complete dark isolation, the straitjackets, the spinning therapy, lobotomies, shock therapy, cold water therapy. These, these practices were barbaric and they didn't seem to be so much treatment as, hey, let's see how much pain we can put this person through and maybe that will fix their condition. Maybe if we, you know, stick an ice pick through their brain, maybe that will fix their problems. There's a film on Amazon Prime Video that really shows these practices in action, and I really do enjoy the movie. It's called Stonehurst Asylum. It's got a lot of really great twists and turns in it, so if if you... It's not really a horror movie. It's more of a thriller slash drama, but I would absolutely recommend this film. But anyways, that pretty much sums up the most famous ghost stories from the Trans-Allegheny. So if you ever need something to watch on YouTube, check out some of these ghost hunters that go to places like the Trans-Allegheny and take a look firsthand at what these places look like. Because me just talking about it does not do it justice. You really have to see the hallways for yourself. They are really creepy. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the infamous Weston State Hospital a.k.a. the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. It is a very cool place, and I hope I get to visit one day. And that just about wraps up our second episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed doing all the research and learning more about this amazing place and places just like it. Uh, Stay tuned for episodes dedicated to different facilities around the U.S. and around the world because there are many, many more places just like this one to be discovered. If you want to discuss these places more, shoot me a message on Instagram at the underscore sanitarium underscore podcast, and let's have a discussion. And as always, my name is Dan, and I hope you enjoyed your stay here at the sanitarium.